Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Welcome. Uh, for those of you who are visiting with us, uh, two weeks ago, Doug and Dave uh, just did a great job of teaching us as we enter into a series on discipleship. Uh, and they talked about the managed life, the wounded life, and the formed life. And if you missed that, please, please listen to it. Really important. Asking the question, when things happen, what is God doing in the midst of this? What might God form in me? And that's a really important question. The other part of that was they passed out homework. They gave you a homework assignment or an invitation if homework scares you. Uh, and since they passed out homework, I thought we should probably follow up with that with some class participation. So uh, I'm going to invite you to get your participation points this morning uh, in a few different places. And actually, we're going to start with this. One of the things that we talk about with discipleship is we're always asking the question, what are you hearing from the Lord? And what are you doing about it? How are you responding? And so as we open this morning, I just want to invite you into a space, find two or three people, um, maybe split up from your spouse, reach out to somebody new. Uh, and I want you to, to share a story. It doesn't have to be from the last two weeks, but a story from your life where you felt like, I really heard the Lord calling me to this. Or I heard the Lord speaking to me in this, and this is what happened. Uh, we did this on Wednesday morning with our KM team, and it was powerful just to hear these stories of when did you hear from the Lord, and how did that shape you? What happened to you? Um, and I recognize that if you're new with us, um, or even if you're old with us, um, that may not be a comfortable space, so I'm offering some other alternative questions for you to answer. And that could be, what was the best part of your week? What was the hardest part of your week? Or if that feels still a little bit too intimate, what was the best food you ate this week? Okay? I think that's a safe one. All right, so take five minutes, groups of two or three, four, and just share those stories of a time in your life where you've heard the Lord speaking to you, and what happens? How did that play out? Ready, go. All right. Thank you so much for sharing. I ask you to wrap it up here in the next few seconds. You all get an A for class participation. Way to go. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there are plenty more stories to share. Uh, and we would love to continue those stories. So, yeah, hang out with us after gathering. And as we play, we can continue to share stories. I think this just provides us with good training to help us see how does the Lord speak to us and how do we follow up with that? All right. Another part of your homework from the last two weeks was to read the book of Mark. Uh, I've got like three sermons this morning, sorry. You need to pack a lunch just so you could make it through. I'll try to keep them short. And this goes against everything my homiletics professor told me. I'm sorry, Dr. Farmer, if you somehow stumble across this. Uh, but 
One of the things that stood out to me reading through Mark, uh, I was thinking through the lens of discipleship. What, what do we learn about discipleship in Mark? Who is Jesus? What is he calling his followers to? And one of the things that I noticed is that discipleship is a process of ongoing repentance. And that, that can take a lot of different forms, but that's one of the first things that Jesus said when he began his ministry said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And I believe that this repentance, one of the key repentance that Jesus is calling us to is the repentance from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near, repent. And the kingdom of self, that's a tough one. <laughs> Everything in our world, everything in our culture says it's all about you. It's all about you. Do whatever you can to get whatever you want. Be true to yourself. There's lots of messages that we receive, and that's already part of kind of our natural inclination, right? To be fairly self-centered, to be concerned about ourselves, and, and there's a healthy balance to that. But Jesus calls us to say, you are not the most important person in your life. God is. So seek his kingdom. Repent from the kingdom of self. I, I was listening to, to somebody who was doing training with, with pastors and people in ministry and said, ministry is war. And he basically said, it's war between the kingdom of self and the kingdom of God. And I thought, well, that's not just ministry, that's discipleship. And over and over and over in the book of Mark, I see the disciples, they're not painted in a particularly great light in the book of Mark. They're kind of like these bumbling idiots, which when I look at myself, I can say, yeah, me too. Gives me comfort. But over and over again, they seem to like not quite get it. And then just when you think, yeah, they got it, then they say something stupid. And usually when that happens, it's because the kingdom of self has started to win the battle. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're thinking about this through the kingdom of yourself. Think about it in terms of the kingdom of God. Repent. And if you want to know where the kingdom of self is most prevalent, think about the times that you get angry. Because that's probably a good indication of where you feel like your kingdom has been invaded. I never realized how big my kingdom was until I became a parent. My kids are a constant threat to my kingdom. <laughs> so I'm trying to repent and seek God's kingdom. But anger is a good thing. I, I also notice in Mark, Jesus gets angry a lot. But one of the things I notice about Jesus and his anger is always rooted in the kingdom of God. He's always trying to seek, what does God want to do can you guys get on board with this? And so maybe we get angry and maybe our anger is a good thing because maybe it is rooted in the kingdom of God being invaded and we do need to stand up for that. But our world teaches us that the self is the most important and Jesus says, yeah, you are important. But seek the kingdom of God first. The self-care industry, I just found out this week, is a $10 billion industry. That's how important the self has become. And I don't want to talk badly about self-care because self-care is important. 
It's very important. But when we look at Jesus, we see that he is able to care for us much better than we can. He is concerned about people's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social health. He's always working to minister in those places. And so I love the way that Jeanette talks about self-care. Because it's not self-care, it's his care. If we pursue the kingdom of God, then we are also called to put ourselves in places where we can receive his care. Food, exercise, prayer, rest, these are all good things that we need. And Jesus knows we need them. And they're all an invitation for acknowledging God and enjoying God's presence. And so I want to challenge you, even if you weren't planning to stay today, come, rest with us, play with us, enjoy God with us as we play and as we are restored and renewed through play. It's a beautiful thing. It's why they call it recreation. We are recreated in those spaces where we allow God sovereignty over lives, and we play in the freedom of his care. Choose, but as you play, as you engage in these things, choose the blesser as you enjoy the blessing. Discipleship is this, it's dethroning ourselves and enthroning Jesus. Discipleship calls us to make the kingdom of God our treasure, the treasure that motivates our hearts which then motivates our lives. In Mark 8, 34, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. If you seek yourself, you will lose yourself. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And later in Mark 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. That's a high challenge to serve. There's a beautiful image that if we're all serving one another, we find health and wholeness. Because as we're serving someone and building them up, they're in return building us up. But even more beautiful than that is this promise that immediately follows this command. And I never saw it as a promise before. Jesus calls his disciples to serve, and then he says, for even the Son of Man, Jesus, came to serve. Will you allow Jesus to serve you as you seek his kingdom? So discipleship is this ongoing process of repentance from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of God. Can we make him our treasure because he has made us his? All right, so that's what I got from Mark. Time for some more classroom participation. Dennis calls this gospel gossip. I think I've got the slide. 
So I want to invite, I want to hear from you all. What stood out to you in Mark? What did you notice? What was happening? I'd love to hear from at least five people. And maybe you didn't read Mark. Maybe you read a different gospel because you're a rebel like that. But I would love to hear what you're noticing about Jesus or what you noticed in the, in the gospel of Mark. What stood out to you? Okay. Um, so Jesus modeled that. Jesus modeled truly um, yeah. being selfless and living his life for the glory of God. Thanks for sharing. We, yeah, we should have gotten her the mic sooner. Just to recap, if I can. Yeah, she's talking about the story of this man who's filled with demons, and Jesus casts out the demons, and this guy wants to follow Jesus. Sounds like a great thing, and it's one of the few times Jesus says, no, go back home to your family, because Jesus didn't want just another person to include in his posse, but wanted the kingdom of God to be advanced, and so he sends him out. That's a tough word for us. Sometimes following Jesus means stepping out from our comfort zone. I trust that Jesus sent him with the Holy Spirit and the kingdom was advanced in that. Yeah. So this morning I crammed the whole book of Mark because <laughs> the day after the gathering, I was like, oh, I'm just going to listen to a few chapters a day. And I did too. And then this morning for like an hour and a half, I was like, let's do this. <laughs> So um, what I noticed, and I've noticed this before, but I think it's a good practice, is how Jesus separates himself sometimes. And it's not a bad separation. It's the way of him. I feel like he's communing with the Father. He's, I guess, recentering himself. He's praying, meditating, communicating, have a, having a, a time of love with God. And another thing that I thought was really interesting, and I knew about the healings before that he's done, but I mean cramming it all in one day, he spit in someone's mouth and he spit in someone's eyes. And I think that's really gross. Um, but if you think about the people that are following him that are talking about, uh, you know, you need to scrub yourself before you even eat anything. This is, it's got to be so upsetting to them, but it's like how simple and gross healing can be. <laughs> but he, he just was not what anybody was expecting. And he just, he just did as God told him to. So, uh, yeah, sometimes it's unexpected the way he heals people. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah. Jesus demonstrates his care for the disciples in the way that he withdraws to spend time with God and also invites his disciples into that space. Yeah. Somebody else, Dave, I think was talking about the spit too. Yeah. This is different. I remember Dennis telling me about, you know, if you, if you can imagine being blind and what that would have sound like, and Dennis calls it the prelude to a spit. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anybody else? Something that stood out from Mark. There is a, I, I, I don't know the, ch the chapter, but uh, a man, a rich man comes up to Jesus, a rich man comes up to Jesus and asks him, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments, and he, and he names them and love the Lord your God. And 
And, and the man's response is, all this I've kept from my youth. And Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you lack, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the man went away. But Jesus looked at the man, and he loved him. And that's the part that stood out to me, because you see Jesus' love demonstrated, but here it flat out says he loved this man. And this man hung his head, and he couldn't do it. And he turned and walked away. And for Jesus to make himself so vulnerable and not be crushed by that, I love you. And you're walking away. Mm. And so many times I've looked at the story as like, well, do I, is, is now the time you want me to sell everything I have? You know, that kind of thing. But it, what really jumped out at me was the vulnerability of God to make himself so open and available, be refused, and yet still feel, just be confident in and of himself. It's there for the for their receiving, but you have to receive it. So there's a reason why I've invited you all to share this morning. Not just that I wanted to get off the hook from doing all the teaching. Uh, that is because community plays such a vital part of discipleship. We need each other. Uh, I remember when I was in college, some friends and I got together and we're like, let's, let's put together an intramural bowling team. That'll be fun. I was like, yeah, great. I'm not a great bowler, but it sounds like fun. And I, a couple of weeks in, my friend Peter, I love Peter. He's awesome. I need to reconnect with that guy. He goes up and he's getting ready to bowl and he, gets, and he just stops. He doesn't throw the ball and he turns around. And he goes again, and he stops at the line, and then he turns and he looks at us like, guys, I forgot how to bowl. <laughs> and we're like, what, what are you talking about? You forgot how to bowl. Just, just throw the ball down, down the lane. Like, this, this isn't rocket science. How, how do you forget? It's like my feet feel all weird. I don't know what I'm supposed to how, I forgot how to bowl. And Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious until about two years later. I was in mission year in Chicago, you know, wanting to see the kingdom advancing in inner city neighborhoods in Chicago, wanting to love God and love my neighbor well. And I'm on a team with five other people living in a house together, and we're all committed to this, serving our neighborhood. And, and I knew, like, I, I, need to, I need to spend time with the Lord if I'm going to do this. So I'm going to wake up before my, my teammates every morning and spend time reading scripture and praying, and that was great. And then about two months in, I'm sitting there on the floor, and I realize I forgot how to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know if God's here right now. I don't know how to listen how do you forget how to pray? How do you forget how to bowl? How do you forget how to pray? I, 
I don't I still can't explain it to you. But I forgot how to pray. And mission year was one of the hardest years of my life. And that was part of it. But I realized that I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have made it through that year if it wasn't for that team that I was living with. And if it wasn't for the team of family and friends at home and and all over the place who were praying for me and carrying me through that season, community is absolutely essential to discipleship. We need each other. We learn from each other. We carry each other when times are hard. We learn from each other. And that's why we've all been sharing this morning. So much of discipleship is about rubbing off on each other. If you want to grow in prayer, hang out with people who have a rich prayer life. If you want to grow in understanding Scripture, read Scripture with people who are passionate about the Word of God. If you're struggling as a parent and need some help, find somebody who's been there and done that and survived. If you want some help with your marriage, say, I want a healthier marriage, find some people who have been there, done that, and have cultivated a healthy marriage. You want to know how to live your faith at work? Find people who have been doing it. You want to know how to share your faith with friends? Come alongside somebody who's sharing their faith with their friends. And the reverse of this is true. If you've got a rich prayer life, Invite some people in. Disciple them. Say, this is what it looks like for me. I know it's not going to be exactly the same, but this is how it looks. I love the way Cindy Gerhart's talked about Tuesday night prayer night. It's date night with Jesus. I'm learning how to pray in that space. I'm learning just how to spend time with Jesus. If you've got a passion for the scripture, invite somebody to read it with you. Teach them how to read the Bible. If you've got this parenting thing figured out, way to go. (laughs) You're invited over to dinner at my house tonight. Discipleship is living life together because we need to show each other different things about Jesus. Two weeks ago, we had a meeting after gathering about this new house church that's happening. And as we ate lunch together and people said, it was so cool to hear people say like, you know, this is awesome thing. And and we believe that God is calling Renew to do this, but I, I need my house church right now because I need those people in my house church to teach me about Jesus. I'm being discipled in that space. And I praise God for that. The people are being discipled in house church, but Aubrey shared something that mind, mind blowing. She said, She said, I believe all that's true, and that's a beautiful thing. She said, there are things about Jesus I can only learn from people who come to community dinner. There are things about Jesus we can only learn from hanging out with certain people. There are things about Jesus I can only learn from you, Chrissy. There are things about Jesus I can only learn from you, Kent. I need you to show me who Jesus is. And we've talked about this before. We need community to 
preach the gospel to us every day. We need to hear the gospel. We need to hear who Jesus is. I'm discouraged. I feel like I've been failing at work. My boss is, man, like, you really screwed that up. I hear you. Work sucks. I'm sorry that work is so hard right now. Jesus didn't call you to be perfect. He knows you're going to fail. He redeems your failure. We need to hear that good news when times are hard. We need to hear that when times are good. I got a promotion at work. Yes! God is good. God has provided for you. Amen. Celebrate the good news with each other. That's what community is for. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, Paul writes this. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. He's not talking about like you have something hard to tell somebody, so you're going to say it in love. Like, Angela, you got a little something in your teeth. Just telling you this in love. Like, that's a good thing to tell somebody, but that's, that's not what Paul means. Speak the truth in love. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about Jesus, the truth. We need to speak that to each other in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each one does their own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You are a unique soul with unique gifts. God has graced you with gifts and experiences and wisdom to help us grow so that we can all grow healthy and whole into the fullness of Christ. It all comes down to Christ. It's all about him. If if it's not about Jesus, discipleship is just another self-help that will ultimately come up short. If discipleship's not about Jesus, we're just another club that likes to hang out. We're just an intramural bowling team. But discipleship is about Jesus, and I'm sure most of you are like, yeah, duh. But I just, just want that to be explicit. I don't want it to be implicit in any of this teaching about discipleship. It's all about Jesus. Doug started us off this year in Vision Sunday, reading from Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, the author and finisher, the one who, initi- who is faith, the one who births faith in us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. He is the initiator, the motivator, the model, the guide, the goal of discipleship. So all of discipleship is about continuing to discover Jesus, to discover God, to discover the Holy Spirit, to find out who God is and what God does, and let that determine who we are created and called to be. Disciples are people who continually Rehearse the gospel. Who is Jesus? And so in our final class participation, I would love for you just to shout out, who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? Maybe it's an attribute. Maybe it's something he's done for you. A title that scripture gives him. Just shout it out. Ready, go. Keep going. Keep going. And if he's all those things, then who are we? We are loved. We are redeemed. We are children of God because of him. We are forgiven. We are free. It's all about Jesus. He is God who became human, entered into the flesh, entered into the wounded life for us, taught us the ways of life, love, and truth, showed us the true character and nature of God, revealed God to us, demonstrated faithfulness, radical trust, even unto death. And then was raised from the dead, demonstrating God's radical trustworthiness. He ascended into heaven and sent us his Holy Spirit so that we never have to be alone. Through him we are forgiven. Through him we are reconciled. Through him we are healed and restored. Through him, we are beloved sons and daughters of God. I want to finish by reading from Colossians 1 and 2. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have the, all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He holds you together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. He is the leader of the resurrection parade. He is first in everything, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to God's self. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. From the spiritual powers of this world. Rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. In a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.